questions, God bless you. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Revelation chapter 13. This is the last in the series that I have on overcoming witchcraft. And we've been looking at some very prominent people in Scripture, Old and New Testament, that do seem to have a spiritual dimension functioning in their life. But how many know not everyone who has a spiritual dimension is of God? I was very clear about that. And not everybody has that spiritual dimension. And not everybody that can even function in signs and wonders is of a God. And we'll see that from the text. And so the, the, the defining witchcraft really is those that seek by some spirit other than the Holy Spirit to control people or to exercise influence over other people. It's not the Holy Spirit. And uh, they seek control here. And this is the ultimate uh, this is talking about a person who's coming uh, soon on planet Earth. The Bible speaks about that. Could this person be alive now? Possibly. And uh, so we're looking at someone, the Bible speaks is the false prophet of the tribulation. The false prophet. And I would call him the great deceiver. Let's have a look in Revelation 13, uh, verse 11. The Bible says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And he granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he calls all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I want to have a look at this second beast, and we find out later it's very clear it's the false prophet of the tribulation. You know, have you ever, talking about deception, have you ever been led astray in your life? Have you ever maybe woken up one day and realised what I thought was right all this time actually isn't right? And perhaps I have been wrong. You know, years ago, uh, when uh, my whole family uh, weren't, weren't saved, we had a, uh, visitors and we had, there were two men, they had black pants, a white shirt, uh, a badge, and they rode push bikes. I don't know if you've ever seen those people. And they all share the same first name. Elder, amen. Anyway, they came up, they knocked on our parents' door. You know, we were just a young family and 
You know, hi, we're from the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, to show you the way of salvation. Right? And so they would come and do that. Big smiles, fun people. And so my parents you know, didn't know. They invited them in there for some time, and uh, they came back a number of times. But they get to a place where they want you to pray. They want you to pray a prayer. And they want you to pray, is the church of the Latter-day Saints the one true church, and is Joseph Smith the true prophet from God? They want you to pray that prayer, and they want you then to experience something they entitle, they call a burning in the bosom, and it's their method of determining truth. They actually have some feeling, and they say actually even in their own literature, it's more than an emotion, it's basically a spiritual experience. If you know anything about what they're trying to do is open you up to deception. And there's a spiritual dimension involved. And so uh, uh, my, thankfully, uh, my parents, for, you must have been my grandma was praying and she, that our parents sent them off and uh, uh, you know, realised somehow they weren't right. But we're talking about something that's false. And in, in this text, we see a false prophet in the last days and we ask, what is his purpose? Well, look firstly then at the thought of a global deception. A global deception. Many of us have heard the name Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin, uh, Darwin became an icon for atheism. He advanced the theory of evolution during his life with his uh, you know, a book and uh, he basically... Uh, described how life is developed by natural means without the aid of God. It's interesting, when he went on his famous verge to the Galapagos Islands in 1831, by his own writings, he was a relatively sincere Christian that was preparing for pastoral ministry in college. So that's 1831. By 1882... He was happy to call himself at least an agnostic, if not an atheist. Two critical pieces of the puzzle in uh, Darwin's story. Number one was the death of his father in 1848 and his 10-year-old daughter uh, in 1851. His father's death was very hard on him, uh, even though he inherited a large sum of money, uh, but also his daughter's death greatly shook him. Reflecting on this later, Darwin wrote himself, I can indeed hardly see how anyone ought to wish Christianity to be true. For if the so-called plain language of the New Testament text seems to show men who do not believe, and this would include my father, brother, and almost all my best friends would be eternally punished. This is a damnable doctrine. The death of, of his daughter, his favourite child, and all these dimensions. So this is a very common story. What you're seeing about is a man is struggling to process setbacks, tragedies, and even untimely deaths. Choose to embrace a worldview without God. Choose to. Paul in his masterpiece of Revelation, Romans 1 verse 20 says, for since creation of the world, 
His God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. Proverbs 14 verse one, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, right? So someone who tells you, you meet him, well, I'm an atheist. You could respond perhaps uh, uh, with a question. Can I ask you something? And they'll say, yes. And you say, what happened to you for you to choose this belief structure? What happened? Because something's happened. Because, you know, on the whole, mankind, mankind's not wired that way. Mankind's not wired. Atheism is a few people, but you know, most of the world are not atheists. So I wanna just put that aside. What we see now in our text is a global movement. Amen. Because uh, first of all, man's made in the image of God with a conscience, self-testimony, and in a witness of right and wrong, they see the miracle of creation is clearly seen and human beings are religious by nature. Pastor Wayman Mitchell says, man is hopelessly religious. And in this seven year tribulation, if you're reading through the book of Revelation, you, you see chapter four, verse one takes a radical change. John the revelator is called up into heaven. He hears a trumpet and he's taken into the heavenly realm. I believe that's the picture of where the rapture is. The, ch the chapter one, two and three, you're talking about the church and then you see it from the heavenly perspective. He's writing from that perspective as he hears the trumpet and he rises into the heavens. So here we are now entering in what we call the tribulation period in our text. The Bible says in verse 12, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those that dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now consider this, we know, as I said, I'll show you later, this second beast here is, uh, amen, what we call the false prophet. And this man is a religiously, the first beast is the antichrist or the world political and military leader. The second beast here is uh, the uh, religious leader, which we know later on the Bible actually just calls him the false prophet. So what we see here, amen, that there's worship. The tribulation time is a time where this man leads the world in worship. You'd say, well, I would have thought it would be a secular society. No. The tribulation is not secular. It's not a secular system. In uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 and 4, let no one deceive you by any means. That day should uh, not come unless there's a falling away come first. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Again, it's talking about the Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, all that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. We believe this is part of the rebuilding of the uh, third temple, uh, that there's plans and, and there's many things uh, in, 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 in the way right now to 
quickly get that built in Jerusalem. But we see here, this man wants to be worshipped as God. So the tribulation period is not a atheistic, secular society. It's the beast or the antichrist seeking worship. Look at uh, Matthew 4 verse 9. And he said to him, this is Satan talking to Jesus, all these things I'll give to you if you fall down and worship me. This has been the, the Lucifer, the devil's plan from the beginning. Even with Christ, he's offering to buy him out and saying, listen, I'll give you all this. If you worship me, the, um, the, the man in, you know, empowered or the embodiment of, of the devil and this antichrist coming in the time to be, he wants to be worshipped. And he's vying for worship. Can I make a point here? Don't worship any man. Worship only the true God. So this worship of the beast, which this antichrist, this military, military and political leader on earth, and it becomes a global movement. How does this happen? The Bible speaks about it. Number one, in Revelation 13, verse three, and I saw one of the heads as if it was mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. Another version said, I saw the heads, uh, one of its heads slain and the death stroke was healed and all the world did wonder after the beast. So we see here, it appears perhaps some assassination attempt, some way, you know, seeking this person's life and it appears that he has a resurrection. Can I just pause for a moment? The tribulation is principally focused on the Jews. The Antichrist is wanting to set up a temple to be worshipped in Jerusalem and to win over the Jews to himself. He's after anything that's God's. God's church is gone, was with Christ. We're raptured before the tribulation. So he's after the Jewish people. It's a Jewish dimension here. So there's a resurrection. Number, number two. There's miraculous signs. Verse 13 of our text. He performs great signs so that even makes fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Could you imagine this coming up? This, this religious leader is going to have a, such a dimension. He can do the signs of Elijah. Remember Elijah of an old called fire down from heaven? Consume the altar. Let the God who answered by fire, you know that story, don't you? And think about for the Jews, the Jews who've rejected Jesus coming 2,000 years ago are still waiting for a Messiah. The Bible's very clear that somebody must come in the spirit of Elijah before the Messiah comes. Anybody knows the scripture? So here is a man doing the signs of Elijah. And the world sees that. We see in 2 
Kings 1 verse 10. So Elijah answered and said to the captains of 50, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven, consume you and your 50. And fire came down from heaven, consumed him and his 50. This was a dimension in Elijah's ministry. Amen. And we know Malachi 4 verse 5, behold, I send you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So everyone knew that somebody is coming in the spirit of Elijah. Those that read the New Testament, Jesus said, that's John the Baptist. Isn't that right? But those that have rejected that are still waiting for Elijah and the Messiah to come. So we see this counterfeit fulfilling of Old Testament prophecy and it's a big element here. Not only that, verse 15, and he's granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many who has not worshipped the image of the beast to be killed. Some dimension of life-giving power. The image of the beast, you can have a look at that. Perhaps that's Artificial intelligence, we don't know. We don't know really what it is, but it has a dimension of speaking and great influence that the world is shocked. And the world is marvelling at this false prophet who's now pointing to the Antichrist or the beast to worship him. So that's what we're looking at. So then let's have a look at the essence of deception. See, deception has a long history in the Bible. We go right back to the garden, don't we, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The serpent deceived me. Well, we're deceived is to let us stray. Goes on in, in, in one Timothy 4 verse 14, Paul says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. What he's saying here, Adam and Eve are perfect in the garden, amen, and Eve was deceived. What that means is she believed what she was doing was right, even though it was wrong. Adam was different. Adam knew it was wrong and he did it anyway. She believed what she was doing was right. That's deception. That's what Paul brings out. See, this satanic lie in the garden was very convincing, sounded right, even made sense. Maybe it even felt right to her. Deception has a long history. What are some deceptions today? We look at false teaching, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. But I fear, Paul says, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve with his craftiness, so your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So he's writing to the church at Corinth and Paul's saying as the founding pastor, I'm fearful that just like the devil deceived Eve with his craftiness, made her think, that what she was doing was right, even though it wasn't right. Even though God had forbidden that, had got a justification and uh, had moved away from the simplicity in Christ. How many know there's a lot of crazy teaching out there? You know, one of the downsides, one of the downsides of 
the use now or the needed use of YouTube. It's been very good, especially in lockdown areas. But, you know, after people watch our service, YouTube kind of knows what you're watching and they have the latest other teaching comes up. Coming up next, you know, prophet so-and-so from Nigeria. Amen. <laughs> we love our Nigerians. Amen. So, you know what I'm talking about. All this stuff starts coming up and especially newer believers they have no idea. There's a lot of stuff out there today. People even do their, you know, religious blogs. There's people that are in their basements. They're keyboard warriors, unshaved, unkept, uh, amen. And uh, if you ever saw them in real life, you'd think, oh my gosh, you're, 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 you're crazy. But they're writing all this stuff and a lot of, a lot of it is not good. In our text, it talks about the mark of the beast. You know, we see that Revelation 13, where we're at, is a long way past Revelation chapter 4. I think the rapture is going to happen. It's going to be a time. I think when the rapture happens, there'll be a worldwide state of emergency. We know state of emergencies, don't we? Parliament suspended. Constitution suspended. Absolute police power. So we can, we, we've never kind of even envisioned this stuff before, but you can see it now. You can't buy and sell unless you have, you know, the, some mark and all these kind of dimensions here uh, are coming there. But, you know, people just, you know, think, you know, obviously we've seen in our latest pandemic and, you know, one of the crazy things out there in, quote, Christian world is the vaccination is the mark of the beast. Can I go on record? It's not the mark of the beast. And they're whack balls, those people. So stop watching them on YouTube. <laughs> it's, a, it's a private health decision between you and your doctor. It's not the mark of the beast. The, the worldwide leader of our fellowship, Pastor Greg Mitchell, is fully vaccinated. That's how he's traveling around doing conferences around the world. So go figure that one. Okay. <laughs> so, but that's, it's all out there, isn't it? And that's just one. And it just goes on and on. So there's deception out there. People need a good church with a pastor to help guide them with the Word of God, to help us bring balance. So there's false teaching. The Bible says there's imposters. 2 Timothy 3.13, and evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The Good News translation says evil people and phony preachers. You know, the last day's message is like, you know, the... Um, Free grace theology, removing repentance from the believer's faith. That is false. Jesus said, repent and believe. And belief is not just a mental assent. So that's, that's imposters, removing tongues from the church experience. That's wrong. The idea of being so relevant, so much like the world to win the world, I believe that's wrong. Jesus wasn't like the world to win the world. And he's the greatest soul winner. I want you to ponder that for a minute. Those that you hang with, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33, be not deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. And so there can be deception about hanging around those uh, that you probably shouldn't be fellowshipping with that are undermining your faith and confidence in God. Be not deceived. Okay. 
we know the great news is you can't deceive an honest man or woman. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's most likely a duck. And sometimes people are not seeing things clear. They get all kind of messed up here. But the word deception is to stray, to be led astray. And uh, people can be drawn away. And if somebody is drawing you away from the word of God, from your church, from your pastor, from your, your colleagues and, and, and brothers and sisters in faith, you need to be careful of that. You know, we looked last week at the Elimaeus, the sorcerer, and it says in Acts 13 verse 10, Paul says, O full of all deceit and fraud. And so we're warned against that. Look, let, let's look finally then at dis- defeating deception. See, deception is looking for a handle to turn people. Deception is looking for a handle to turn people. Revelation 19 verse 20. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. And the two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So this goes back. This is the second beast who is described here as the false prophet. The false prophet is a religious leader who urges and convinces people, uh, amen, to damage and even damn their own eternal souls. Deception not only messes with your mind, but messes with your heart and your soul. Think about it for a moment. The most beautiful, intelligent incredibly perfect person in the garden, Eve was deceived. She's, what I'm saying, the most beautiful, she was far more beautiful than Adam, can you say amen? <laughs> She's probably smarter too. But she was deceived. If this sinless, amazing creation of God can be deceived, then we need to recognise that it's possible for us. Right? See, this false prophet in this time, he, he urges and convinces people to act even against their own best interests. And what the enemy's looking for is a handle to turn. I spoke about earlier about tragedies, not processing life correctly. Pastor Mitchell's always said, It's not so much what happens to us in life, but it's how we process it. How are you processing things? Sometimes life isn't perfect. There's some ups and downs and some struggles and setbacks and even tragedies. How do you process that? Amen. And people need to be able to work that through and not give a handle for deception. Secondly, it could be unanswered questions or doubts that are unresolved. You know, the enemy can use that as a handle. Probably the biggest is sin, hidden or specially covered up. We've always said for years, many times, why was that strange action? Why did that person go off on that? And many times you say, well, there was a snake under the bed. 
What that means is there's something hidden or uh, uh, covered over some dimension of a sin issue that's given the enemy a handle. Can I go back to, you can't deceive someone who's honest. If we want to be honest before God and man, we can find the right way. Do you know the false prophet here, when we get to Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, the Bible says, coming to the end of the book, it says, and the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they're tormented day and night forever and ever. So this is after the thousand year reign. So this antichrist and his religious leader, the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire and they're there for a thousand years. And finally, uh, the Bible says the devil himself joins them. A truly heavy price, can you say amen? Don't let that be a handle in your life. So I want to have a look quickly at steps to defeating deception. This is not automatic. We need to arm ourselves. And how do you do that? I'd say Ephesians 6 verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armour of God. You may be able to withstand in that evil day and having done all to stand. We need to stand for what's right, not fall for deception. How do we do that? Number one, God's word is the standard and measure of all spiritual revelation. God's word. It's a light and a dark world. Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Isaiah 30 verse 21, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it. Whatever you turn to the right hand or whatever you turn to the left. So what this is saying, between your knowledge and understanding of the Word of God, hear the Word of God, read the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Amen, as you do that, that can help you. It's a lamp to your feet. And then it says here, amen, in Isaiah, that you'll hear a voice saying, this is the way walk you in it. You know what that is? It's the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Saying, that's not right. That's not the right way. He can help us. The Scriptures are the measure and standard of all truth. Remember I said the Mormons, the way they discerned truth was a, a manifestation, they called it a burning in the bosom. They actually had some spiritual experience. If they had that, that meant that Joseph Smith was a true prophet and the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, was a true church on planet Earth. If you're relying on some manifestation there, that's not the ultimate foundation because that could be wrong. It's got to be God's Word. You've got to judge all these things in light of God's word. See, then secondly, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. A lot of people have a Bible, maybe even go to a Bible church. But James says, James 1.22, be a doer of the word, not hearer only, deceiving yourself. Right? It's like people in the area of morals. You know, they're involved in immoral relationships and, pornography, fornication, adultery, and, and they, then after a while they just say to themselves, well, you know, God hasn't judged me, so it must be all right, and he must be endorsing what I'm doing, and da-da-da-da-da-da. 
That's deception. So you've got to be a doer, not just a hearer only. And finally, you need spiritual covering. Acts 19 verse 15, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? 1 Corinthians 11 verse 10, for this reason a woman ought to have the symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. It's talking about a spiritual covering, amen. It's talking about having a shepherd. It's talking about having a pastor over your life spiritually. These angels here, amen, is a dimension there of uh, demonic angels and people can be deceived. I want to say, I, I said on this, uh, up in this pulpit when we had the changeover service and the uh, love offering, I said, uh, pastor and pastor pain is a gift to the church. A gift. Pastors and ministry gifts, headship here provides direction, advice and spiritual covering for God's people. This is critical. Know the word of God, have a, have a relationship, hear the word of God, amen, be a doer, amen, do your best to follow what it says and have spiritual covering for your life. One, two, three. I mean, no, we can do that. One of our pastors here in Western Australia, before he came and got saved, he got baptised as a Mormon. Went into the Mormon church, got baptised. Realised there was some problems in the Mormon church. Went to Jehovah's Witness church. Goes through all of that. Thankfully, he told me the story. I rang him today. He told me the stories. Thankfully, there was a Christian, born again Christian, that had given him a book and was sharing a testimony of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, thankfully, he came out of that, came to the potter's house, uh, got born again, got filled with the Holy Ghost, got water baptized as a born again Christian. Became a disciple, is now preaching, is pastoring in the Coburn Church, Pastor Glenn Anderson. What that story is, people can be even in this dimension of deception, but God wants to bring people out. He wants to bring them out. John 8 verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Can you say amen? The truth can make you free. What we're looking at in our text, we're looking at a time to come. So we overcome witchcraft. We're looking right to the very end uh, in the tribulation time in the book of Revelation and it's pointing to an ultimate religious figure, the false prophet. He's gonna do signs and wonders. He's gonna look like he's Elijah come to life. He's gonna point, his, uh, he's gonna point the way to a man who seems to have had a resurrection. It's going to be really spiritually charged days. And they're trafficking in deception. But you know what the Bible's told us, hasn't it? If you have a relationship with this, we can navigate through life. And thankfully for those that are born again, I don't believe we're going to be meeting Mr. False Prophet. I don't believe we're going to be coming to know the Antichrist because we see that the Bible says they're in that time of tribulation. But what's the lesson that we learn? We lesson that the lesson from the beginning of Genesis to the very end of Revelation, 
The devil tries to deceive people. He functions in deception to lead them astray, to get people believing they're doing right even when they're doing wrong. It takes a miracle. There was a man named Saul of Tarsus. He believed he was doing right. He was persecuting the church. He was going into um, meetings and arresting people in Jerusalem. The Bible says he put his vote against Stephen the martyr. The Bible says he was so enraged that he got letters from the high priest to go to further cities outside of Jerusalem as he's wreaked havoc in Jerusalem. He's on his way to Damascus, isn't he? Fully convinced as a Pharisee and the son of Pharisees that he's doing what he thinks is right. But as he's riding on his horse, a light shone from heaven, struck him to the ground and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the gods. Lord, what must I do? Go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. You know the story. This man became one of the great, well, the greatest apostle in the New Testament. A man who'd lived in deception for a long time. God wants to bring people out of deception, can you say, man? Out of darkness into light. Out of religious deception into the truth of the word of God. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give an opportunity tonight before we do anything else. You're here tonight and you are not born again. You don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour. Perhaps you've thought in your mind, well, I'm a good person. I, you know, by culture, I'm a Christian. But God's showing you that by his standard, you come up short. See, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible speaks about that all mankind is under a certain judgment to come. And why? Because there's judgment coming upon sinful man and planet Earth. God's a holy God. So what's the answer? God sent his son, Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died on the cross, shed His blood, rose again from the third day. We believe He's the Messiah, the very Son of God. God become flesh who dwelt amongst us. Not this figure that's gonna come in the tribulation, the imposter, but Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago. He rose again from the dead. He had a genuine resurrection seen by over 500 people. The tomb is empty to this day. And why did he die and rise again? He died to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. He rose again to promise us forgiveness and eternal life. You say, Pastor, that's what I want tonight. I'm, I have a guilty conscience. I'm not right with God. My heart's far away from Him. I'm afraid of the judgment and the tribulation. I'm afraid of eternity without God. Is there hope for me? Yes, there is. Turn to Christ, repent and believe. You say, I do believe and I'm willing to turn from my sins. If that's you, lift up your hand. 
I'll pray for you. Want a prayer tonight? You're unsaved or you're a backslider. Lift up your hands. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need a miracle in my life. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, to forgive my sins. Amen. Lift it up quickly. You're just saying, I want prayer. Yes, amen. Lift it up. Say, I need Jesus. Backslider, you've known the Lord at one stage, maybe when you were younger, but you know right now that you're a long way from God. God's convicting you, putting his finger right there where you live on your heart and you know that you need forgiveness and a saviour. Lift up your hand, say, yes, I need prayer. Not asking people to join a church or religion but to get their heart right with God. Last call tonight. Yes, amen. Amen, lift it up. Say, pray for me, pastor. Amen. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Changing the call then tonight. We've looked at a future figure. You know, the good news for you and I, I believe, is that we're looking at this and what's the lesson? We're saying, thank God, the church is not gonna be around in this tribulation. Second lesson is, is that, as I spoke last week, not everything that's spiritual is from God and the Holy Spirit. We need to discern. We discern through the Scripture. I'm challenging disciples and men and women, know your Bible, keep reading your Bible. Be acquainted with the truth. Be regularly in the house of God, hearing the Word of God. Grow strong in your faith so that you can discern between right and wrong. Listen to the Holy Spirit when He warns you Amen. This is the way. Walk in it and gives you direction. Live what you know how you should live. Don't live as the hypocrite that brings deception. Don't allow a handle for deception. Maybe also there's people tonight, you're, you've read things or people have spoken into your life that's brought confusion. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, God is not the author of confusion. You're confused about maybe faith, the Bible, your church, tongues. Someone's confusing you. God's not the author of confusion. You could bring that to the altar. See, with a good heart, God directs you and the Word of God resonates with the Holy Spirit and they're one. James 3 verse 15 says, and this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual and do not demonic for where there's envy self-serving exists confusion and every evil thing what that's talking about some people can speak worldly wisdom and try to speak and it may make sense but it's the Bible says it brings confusion maybe there's some people here tonight amen God wants to set free from that confusion that's clouding you you know better, but your head's confused. You're messed up and it's something you've read or something someone's spoken into your life. You're gonna to come to this altar. Amen, you, God's gonna set you free. Let's stand, church. The altars are open. We're gonna sing a worship song. Amen. If you're unsaved, you're a backslider tonight. Amen, I invite you to come. Your neighbour would invite you to come, make a prayer. We're gonna sing a worship song. Amen, a victory tonight. Amen. The all-creating one, God Almighty, through Your Holy Spirit, can see.
Giving Christ the Son, Jesus, I say. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I believe in God, our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I judge it out of faith. I judge it out of faith. Suffered and crucified Forgiveness is in you Send it into darkness Descended into darkness You rose in glorious light Forever seated high I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Yes, I believe in you. 